So friends, we are wrapping up our God at Work series. And we've had so many testimonies of people whose workplaces have been changed and transformed because of what God is doing. And so Philippians, you don't have to flip there with me because it's up on the screen unless you want to flip there in your Bible. And if you have it on your phone, there's no flipping anywhere. But um, flip, if you have a who, why, God bless you. But uh, if you... If you want to look uh, at scriptures, you're welcome to. It's on the screen there. But Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work in you. And we'll go, Amen. But the second part, if you look at the Greek of this, is a very interesting scripture. He does two things in your life while he's working in you so that he can work through you. Because God's desire is not just to work in you, but to work through you. Would you agree with me? And I think that a lot of Christians, in, uh, certainly in my upbringing, and, and when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'd go to conferences, I'd go, I would just take as much as I could. But I had not yet learned how to let God do stuff through me. It was just God do in me, fill me up. And, and yet God wants to do stuff through you. He wants you to spill wherever you go. And he says that he does two things while he's at work in you. The first Greek word is the word that literally means to give you a desire and a passion and a willingness to work for him. Now, that's the best boss in the world, right? Uh, some of you might have a boss that you work for that is so great that you just want to do stuff for them. You're looking at me like, there are people like that? Yes, I have worked for some people like that. And you can be a boss like that. If that's the kind of boss God is in his workplace, he works in you and gives you the desire and the willingness to work for him. And that word for work is the word enegeo in the Greek, which is the word we get energized from. So in other words, what God does in our lives is he works in you so that you have the desire and the willingness and the energy and the ability to do what he tells you to do. That's cool, isn't it? Because I grew up thinking it's just this list of rules and regulations, and, and it's not a list of rules and regulations, it's a list of relationship. And just more and more relationship. And in that relationship, suddenly I find myself wanting to do what God wants me to do. I don't want to do the other stuff anymore. And that's what it means to be led by the Spirit. And so when we look at what God's been doing, I want to look at two things this morning. I want to look at the fact that God has been at work in the life of our church. And I want to look at the fact that God wants to be at work in your life outside of church. And so... God at work in the life of our church is where I want to start. Now, if you do have your Bible with me, you can flip with me, but we're not going to Philippians. We are going to Psalm 100. So run your palms through the Psalms. Ah, yes, yes, that's better than Philippians. That works better. Run your palms through the Psalms, uh, and I'm going to be reading Psalm 100. It's one of my favorite Psalms. If you don't know it, memorize it. It's a great one. Everyone there? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. This is a psalm I quote when people tell me your praise and worship is too loud. <laughs> Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. That's what we do every Sunday morning. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Therefore, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, and then a paraphrase that is throughout the scriptures. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. When we look at that, I tell you what, I, I personally think that thankfulness is the gateway to you having a successful life. 
gratitude has the ability to open doors like very few other things. Gratitude brings you into the presence of God. And if there's only one thing you take home today, take home the attitude of gratitude, the thoroughly therapeutic thrill of thankfulness through thick and thin, that wherever you are, no matter what you're going through, there's always something to be thankful for. And God had to teach me this. I, I spent a number of years when I was going through my challenges, struggles, my body in so much pain I couldn't move, and God would have to say to me, do you have two legs that walk? Yeah, but they saw. Do they still walk? Yeah. Be thankful for that. Some people don't have legs they can walk on. And you always have something to be thankful for. And we have to reprogram our brains. And so we today, we do this once a year. We will take a moment in our service. We set aside a Sunday to give God thanks for everything he's done in this church. And I'm going to give us a, a quick run through of some things that have happened in the past year. And some of them have been from like January to now that we want to celebrate together as a church. So you know what you're a part of. Very often when you're in church, you only get to see what happens up here. You don't get to see a whole lot of the healings that happen. You don't get to see how many salvations, baptisms, etc. are taking place and things that are happening out there. So we want everyone to rejoice in the family God has put you in. Are you excited about that? So Lord Jesus, bless this time. We are thankful. We honor you and we say you've done such amazing things in this church. We've done, you've done so many amazing things in the lives of our people and those that they touch. And we, we want to set aside this time to thank you, honor you, and rejoice in it. I want to just uh, start by looking at some things that we can rejoice in as a church. We have seen 29 new salvations since January this year. I think we can give God a hand for that. We have seen 23 people baptized in the Holy Spirit this year. Hey, isn't it awesome? We have, I think it was 58 people go through Discover Every as new members. We have seen the slides coming back on. We, we have seen 120 people go through our equip this year. Hey, that's the biggest number we've ever had going through our equip training. And we celebrate the fact that a lot of the growth in this church has not come just from transfers or, or you, know, you know, people who've just moved here. And we love transfers. If God's adding you, God's adding you. But we're reaching the lost. We celebrate in the fact that we're reaching the lost. And there's some people who are like, okay, well, this is the first time I'm reading a Bible. Isn't that exciting? Then I just want to also say we have seen some incredible healings. So we have some medically documented healings that have taken place in this church. We have had two people healed of cancer, one completely healed of liver cancer, and the other one healed of colon cancer. And that is a celebration, seriously. Now, we've had a lot of healings in the church. Not all of them have been medically documented, so we celebrate the ones that have been. We've had uh, two people healed completely of irritable bowel syndrome. Um, and we have also seen, we celebrate the small stuff as well. We've had some people who've had incredible migraines, even at times who've had to minister, and God has literally dissolved it right there on the spot. We have had um, arthritis healed, person completely healed of arthritis. We have actually had one person who couldn't stop their nose bleeding. God stopped their nose bleeding. We had one person, uh, this lady with food allergy, it was so bad that they literally could hardly eat anything. Their body would just react violently and completely, completely healed. Now eating everything. <laughs> so there are a lot more healings. We just want to celebrate some of them. Isn't that powerful? 
When we celebrate growth, I think this is a great graph just to celebrate what God has done. Uh, when, when we first came here 2014 uh, to where we are now, we've just seen incredible, s- stable growth taking place. And I think, uh, yeah, praise God. And I also celebrate just the children and the youth and how that's been growing and going. Our children's ministry is just phenomenal. And we are very quickly, certainly after the holidays and when our students get back. How many students are here even during the holidays? Any students? Yay, we have a couple of students. Well done. Um, But when our students get back and when everyone's back from the holidays, I mean, some of our first services are standing room only. So we are really trusting for our own property, right? Uh, But I think that is something to celebrate, just what God's doing. And you all understand, we've said this before, but we don't just celebrate bums in seats or legs in seats. I don't know, maybe some of you lie down in your seat if there's space. But we celebrate disciples who are making disciples. And, And that the majority of these people are in connect groups, being discipled, having their lives changed, growing with God. And that's what we celebrate. We want thousands in the church because we want to disciple thousands of disciples who will change society around them. Amen. So I'm going to quickly talk about the finances because we believe in financial transparency as a church. You guys all tithe to the church. You give offerings. We want you to know that where your money goes is held very accountable. We treat the tithes as holy to God. So don't let those numbers overwhelm you. Everyone just take a quick mental snapshot. I don't expect you to memorize or look at everything. There is a handout at the back if anyone wants all the numbers. Most people are just intimidated by that. I'm putting it up there just to show you a few quick things. Because we believe if the tithes are holy to God, we want to give an account of how we spend them. We want to show you how it's broken down. And we want to show you how we set up systems in such a way that you know... We know we all tithe out of obedience, but I also want to tithe out of faith that it's going to go towards the ministry and the kingdom. Amen. So to let you know, we've, uh, we're celebrating the fact that we went from last year's financial year of 3.9 to 4.8 in one of the tightest economic seasons this country's been through. You can give the Lord a hand for that. Give yourselves a hand for that. Thank you for your generosity. And when we see the growth in income in a church where many of our churches around the city are seeing a drop, we've seen an increase. And that's thanks to you and your faith and your generosity. Then we also want to mention that just as we expect our members to give and to tithe, we as a church tithe. So every tithe that comes in here, we will take, last year 12% is 10% a month, that we give to the international ministry. We give another 13% to contribution to our citywide movement in Joburg. And then we give 4.2% to Havens. So I'll explain that to you. In being a part of Every Nation International, we believe in planting churches. Some of those churches in Southern Africa and church plants, you will know that until you've planted a church and have members, they don't bring money in, they need money. So we give to that. We give to the apostolic team being able to get to some of those places. International ministry, Southern Africa region, they get 10% of whatever we take as a tithe to them. Then Johannesburg, we have one church in the city, many congregations. So we are one of a number of congregations in the city. But all of you know that we have a passion to reach the campus, right? Why? Because the campus is where the next generation of leaders are coming from. So if you change the campus, you can ultimately change your world. 
And so we're on campuses throughout the city. They don't make money. So whatever we give towards Joburg, a lot of that is going to pay the salaries of the pastors who run those ministries and towards the ministries themselves and those churches who are reaching those who don't have a lot of money. And uh, we, we are thrilled to be able to do that. And then our contribution to Havens is social justice. We help provide for widows. We help provide for the orphans. And we've seen amazing things. So if we go to that pie chart, how many of you didn't have breakfast yet? We got some pie for you. I know you can't see those figures and the writing. It is too small. I just wanted to give you an idea, kind of a picture. So our property costs are that slice over there. And that is largely because of the rental, of venue, etc., um, and uh, we trust that when we get our own property, we can transfer all of that to there. Uh, we, there's our contributions that I shared about international to Joburg, to Havens. And the big chunk, which is very common with churches, benchmarked quite well with where we sit in, is towards staff salaries and resources. A church is different to a company. We don't make profit on what we're doing. We don't put money into endeavors for profit. We put money into people who are leaders who make leaders. And so we, we put our money into releasing leaders, raising leaders, getting pastors on staff, raising up others. We have a staff of about 12 people at this stage that are just doing amazing things. And so I think we can thank our staff and honor them, although some of them are on the other side of the world. And welcome to Tobeka, who has just joined us. Stand up, Tobeka. It's great to have you on the team. She's going to be helping Sammy with pastoral, and you'll see her around a few things that are going on. So we can, if you want more, uh, you want to see the figures, you're welcome to. There's a breakdown uh, over there. I just want you to know that the way our finances are handled is well overseen and that we've been transparent. So you can bring that next slide up. Thanks, Teddy. We are part of a citywide church, and I never want to be in a church where I'm not covered. I believe that a lot of churches and a lot of pastors fall and stumble because they don't have people speaking into their lives. They don't have covering. And so all of our churches in the city have covering. And uh, so we have an oversight of Every Nation International, which is broken down, Every Nation Africa, which is broken down, Every Nation Southern Africa. We have a regional team. And then Every Nation Johannesburg, we have one eldership that oversees all of us. And it's broken down into four community congregations. Randberg, Rosebank, Ramsuck, Sunningle. And then uh, Pastor Saviwe is going to be planting somewhere in or near Santa next year. So we, we trust him for good things there. And these are the congregations that we support. Our campus congregations, firstly. And there's Ramsuck. Uh, I don't know what they call Monash now, MSA. Uh, so that's, uh, that's ours. And then we have these other congregations. And then that's what we give to in social responsibility. Havens is where we bring in abandoned babies, look after them. We've seen hundreds of babies brought in and adopted through what we do in our Havens ministry. We're in Frededorp where we reach out to the, the poor in that area, the children particularly, giving them schooling, etc., home base, helping orphans who are out of the, the government orphanages and don't have anywhere to go. We give them a kind of a bridge to help them get jobs, help them finish studies, etc. Um, we have a crisis response team. So when buildings, shacks burn down in Zonspreit or in other places, we have a team that has blankets, food, clothes, etc. And they get in there and help. Tananani um, Malibongwe, we take ladies who don't have jobs, widows. Bible says this is true religion. Look after widows and orphans. 
And so we prioritize that. And so we take these ladies, many of them on the street, we train them, we give them skills, we help get what they start to make out and get them to run their own businesses. So really, I am so blessed to be a part of what is taking place in the city, and so should you. Give the city a hand. Thank you, Jesus. And then what we do once a year is introduce you just to acknowledge our elders. We have a citywide eldership that speaks over all the churches in the city. That's Pastor Roger. He's the senior pastor over at Joburg, Samalera Fuller Rosebank, Pastor Darlin and Pastor Handsome, Karim Kize over Verts, Tembo over Running Hill, uh, Darren and Belinda are also leaders in the citywide. Belinda heads up worship ministry citywide. David and Caroline, they head up the Havens ministry. Uh, and then we have Langa who heads up UJ. And outside of those elders, we don't want to be insular to where it's just every nation or just every nation Joburg. So we open our elders up to people who are not in our city. Ilian Davis is the head of Cape Town, and he speaks into our elders. When the elders have issues, we call him in. But we also felt God lead us to have someone who's not in our movement, but really has a gift of governance on them to oversee us. And so Paul Manwarin comes in regularly. That's Paul Manwarin, used to be uh, governing uh, for Bethel Church in the U.S., and he's now running his ministry in the U.K. And Paul comes in regularly and speaks into our elders. Has, we have dinners with him, and he really is great at helping us to make sure we're doing things right. So the, the whole point of showing you all of this is so that you know we're not alone. We're well covered. And in the city, we have our own financial advisory board. They look at everything we do financially. We have an executive committee that looks at the decisions made citywide. Carol sits on that with Roger and Dorian. And uh, then we have a citywide remuneration committee. So I don't set my own salary. Everyone go, oh. So uh, no one sets their own salary, actually. What we have is a group of business people and pastors in the city who determine who is qualified and how their salaries are set. And then in a local context, we have our own local governance. So there's our local elders. And uh, there's Pastor Darlene, Pastor Handsome again, Mike and Bianca and their little one. Um, and Zarina Prasad. Zarina, great to have you with us. And Kun and Gina, who run our children's ministry. Those are your local elders. And so if you have any issues in the church, you don't like what I said, or you think there's heresy, you go to our elders. If you don't like what they have to say, you go higher up to the citywide elders. And if you don't like what they have to say, we go to Gillian. If you don't like what he has to say, we go to, uh, you know, you're hearing what I'm saying. We are covered. We are accountable. We are transparent. We are vulnerable. And that's why we share some of these things. And then here is our Ramsuk pastors and leaders. And uh, good looking peeps, eh? Pastor Sammy and... It's great to have a husband with us in second service, El. Uh, Pastor Sammy and Pastor Sam. Uh, Sam is the head of our worship ministry. Um, and then Pastor Mufasa and Teddy, who, who helped to cover our Monash student work here in Ramsach. Well done, Teddy. She's not always just behind a computer. She's actually a powerful minister right there. We love what you're doing on the computers and media, though. Um, then we have uh, Pastor Sean and Gerda, who run our pastoral department covering pre-marriage, helping with prophetic, etc., and just helping Sammy with the pastoral ministry that she covers. And then some of our leaders, Bra Wesley, I don't know if he's around, but he's always running around. He's the head of our services. Everything that happens here on a Sunday, that's Bra Wes. Um, and uh, 
we've said hello to Teddy. Calvin and Ilsa are the heads of our youth and uh, doing an amazing work with the youth. And then uh, Chris Hall and Gudrun Hall. Chris sits on the financial advisory board with myself and Serena for Reimsich. And uh, so that there is covering from business people, and we have a lawyer in Zarina. So we have the legal side covered, we have the business side covered to make sure that our finances in Ramsach are run well. How's that? I think we give them all a hand. And then lastly, um, a number of people have asked about the property, so I'm going to give you quick feedback. Uh, our heart is really to, to get the property behind us. That's where you're sitting right now, you do know that. But we want to put an offer in. We can get a bond uh, through uh, Rosebank. Uh, but to buy and purchase the land will be around 11 mil. Hopefully we can talk him down to 10.5 mil with the building of the hall. So that's, that's number one. Get the land. Those are existing buildings. And those we can use as offices, etc. Build a 500-seater. And if we do that, then we can move all of our current rentals into paying that bond off. So although we need 110000 a month, 41000 can come from releasing rentals. 20 is already coming from pledges from people in this church. Thank you. God bless you. We've got 20000 a month from pledges. So give yourselves a hand. If you are not pledging, just put your hand on your chest and say, Jesus, show me what you would have me do. Because I want to ask that every member of this church give something. If you can only give 20 rand a month, give 20 rand a month. But we believe that every person should have some level of ownership. So at the Get Connected table, there are pledge forms. You can fill out a pledge form. You can say, I'll pledge 20 rand a month or whatever it might be. You, you might be able to say, I'm, I'll pledge 20,000 a month. Some of you might have a spare million lying around and just, you know, I, I don't know what to do with it. Give it to the church. Um, but we trust in to get this place as soon as possible. Amen. So, Lord Jesus, we just pray over that property. We ask for finances to come from north, south, east, and west, that we would have more than enough to put in an offer and get our own place. And all the setup crew, as well as everyone else, said, Amen. I have not put in there how much we will save in equipment breakages, how many cables and speakers and drum kits and everything we have to replace all the time with the move. So stand with us for that. Amen. And then I'm just going to wrap up. Oh, by the way, yeah, if you have any questions, you can send it there, info at ianramsich.coza. Everyone say ianramsich.coza. That's where you should be going regularly to see what Teddy's putting up there. She's got some great stuff. Uh, so um, I want to just wrap up looking at the second part. God at work in the life of our church is not good enough if we don't take God at work in my life outside of church. I just want to wrap up quickly in terms of everything we've been speaking about in this series when we talk about our vision statement we see lives communities and society transformed the only way to change society is by people like you and me going out into society taking jesus with us would you agree so Jesus makes this incredible statement in Matthew chapter 5 and he says you are the salt of the earth what does salt do? It preserves. It stops meat going off. The world would go off if it weren't for us. You should feel special right now. Salt is there to preserve. When Jesus spoke of this, they would use salt to preserve meat because they didn't have fridges. And salt stops the world from going rotten. And when I put salt on something, I don't put it in one big lump, do I? You sprinkle it. How many of you have your salt, nice steak, 
No, you sprinkle it, right? You with me? Jesus takes us not to be just one gathering as the church and the salt must all stick together. There's so many churches who are like, the world's just going to get bad and it's all going to get terrible and we just got to hang in there till the rapture comes. There's nowhere in the Bible that teaches that. The Bible says that he's going to use you to be like taking his glory everywhere so his glory covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. And being salt means saying, I might be part of the entire salt bottle right here. But when God tips the salt bottle out, you're all going to go your various places. And you might be the only piece of salt in your marriage or your family. You might be the only piece of salt in your workplace or your class. You might be the only piece of salt where you're going to go Monday to Friday. And you must recognize something that light also, where does light operate? In the darkness. Where do you need light the most? In the darkness. I have so many people coming to me and say, Pastor, I have this terrible work environment. Everyone swears. And they just, you know, they dress in ways that's just tempting. My PA, she hardly wears anything. And, uh, you know, it was a lady with a ma- male PA. Um, no. <laughs> Please pray I get another job. And I'm saying, don't you realize that light operates in darkness? Don't you realize that some of you are in a bad place because you're the light? You're the salt. It's rotten because it hasn't had enough salt. And so trust God. If you trusted him for a new job, I've often said to people, the way you leave is the way you're going to go in. And if you have not left that job with thankfulness, knowing that you were salt and light in that environment, then I don't know if you're ready for another job. Everyone hearing me? And so when people come to me and say, please pray that I get another job, my first response is, are you being salt and light where God has you? And you may have a terrible boss. But you know what? This world is a place of darkness. And if you're in an environment that is dark, ask God to help you to be the light. But I want to say this. You aren't just the light. Can I borrow your your paper version? There is a paper version. Looks like this. (laughs) Kind of different to the phone version, I admit. But you don't be salt and light in the workplace by taking this everywhere you go. And if you swear the name of Jesus, you're going to hell. You lo- quick way to lose your job. Quick way to not get promoted. Don't take your Bible to work with you. Be the Bible at work. And I mean don't take your Bible. You know what I'm saying. Don't go and preach the gospel to everyone. Be the gospel first. Because if you're arriving on time and you've been excellent with what you're doing and you are taking every opportunity to bless other people and encourage other people and sow into their lives and be salt and light by What? your good deeds not by just your good preaching and i've seen so many christians like i'm being an evangelist in the workplace and yet i lost my job well you know what being an evangelist in the workplace usually looks a lot like being one of the best workers in that place being someone who takes every opportunity has the favor of god around them until eventually people start asking you why are you so different why are you always smiling why are you always so encouraging Now you can share because you were the gospel that opens the door to share the gospel. Are you hearing the difference? And so I'm wrapping up. You can just look at those scriptures later. Romans 8. Don't have to go Roman over there right now. Galatians 5, James 1. Talk about being led by the Spirit and having His wisdom. And I I want to close with a story about my father. Is that okay? My father... um, He didn't have enough money to go to university. 
and neither did his parents. And uh, when we grew up, we weren't poor, but we didn't have any money. And we <laughs> lived in these tiny little places. My dad was working on the mines, very low level. But he decided he was going to serve God and do things in a godly way. And he was excellent, and he was the best at what he did, and he just kept getting promoted. Eventually went from shift boss, etc., lots of favor, doing everything right. He got promoted to go to head office. So when I was seven, I managed to move away from Coltonville and to Joburg, and that's why I'm here now. How many people from Coltonville, Deep West, run for 10? Yeah, going to stick together. My father in head office had so much favor and the way that he trusted God and the way God led him that he became the consulting metallurgist and um, everyone would like look at him how did you get there without a degree I remember him saying to me many times he felt completely out of his depth but he would just in a situation firstly say I'm going to be the best and most excellent worker I can be but the second thing he said is Holy Spirit, I don't want you to just lead me in what scripture to read today. I don't want to just be led by the Spirit in what to pray. I want to be led by the Spirit in how to do my job. And he would walk into his office, he'd look at everything, and he would say, Holy Spirit, what do I do first? And this was one thing I learned from my father. I've shared this story before. The one time I went into the boardroom with him, and they were having a big problem in Clough on the, the mine there, and there were all these engineers standing around the boardroom, and there was a big map of the mine laying on the table. And my dad walked in, and one of his colleagues said, here we go. And I was like, here we go? I mean, it was the first time I'd been to work with my dad. And he was looking at this map, and they were saying there's a problem here. All the engineers were saying problem here. I couldn't remember what here was. I do remember my dad closing his eyes and then saying, I think the problem's here, which wasn't there. So they were all saying there. He was saying here. Now, as a youngster, all I knew was there wasn't here and here wasn't there. I can't tell you whether that was slimes, dams, or whatever, you know. And uh, he said, no, I think the problem's here at the mills. And they laughed at him. And he said, well, there's only one way to find out. He said, I think we can go and see. And they actually walked over to the mills, and there was the problem. My dad said, there's your problem right there. And I was like... How did you do that? I mean, my dad was a Christian conjurer too. He would do tricks. I said, was that a trick, dad? You know, but he, he later shared with me when he was asked to design a brand new mine. And um, he went to China, Russia, Canada, US, a few places I don't remember, looked at all the latest technology, came home, and I remember him putting it out on his desk like this. He has all the different types of mills we could use in this plant. And then he would ask God, which one do I use? And part by part, piece by piece, he put together a mind from all over the world, technology that God showed him what would work best together. And it was, for many years, the most productive mind in the country. And everyone's, hey, Gerald, you're amazing. And he was like, I didn't know what I was doing. He said to me, I felt completely out of my depth. How many of you feel out of your depth in your studies, your workplace? I want to tell you this, when you've been led by the Spirit and you have His wisdom, you never have to feel out of your depth. And, and I'm sharing this to encourage you that as we close in this series, to say, God, I want to be led by your Spirit in what mathematics looks like, what physics looks like, what engineering looks like, what education looks like. I don't want to just keep doing things same old, same old. Show me how to do this better. Show me how to be the greatest asset to the group of people that I'm around. And so I want to wrap up by praying for all of you for that. 
James talks about the fact in James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, now, if you don't raise your hand now, you need wisdom. How many of you lack wisdom? That's the first time I've ever had everyone raise their hand in this church. Ha! Seriously, we all need wisdom. Would you agree? We all have blind spots. And it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without finding fault. In other words, he's not going to go, no, you're a sinner, you didn't do things right. You need wisdom, it's going to come because you've been humble enough to ask. And so why don't you stand with me? I want to pray with you that God's going to do something miraculous in your lives. That wherever you go outside of church, you're going to have the leading of the Spirit in secular things, not just spiritual things. Because there is no sacred secular divide in God. It's all His. Amen? Why don't you just raise your hands and receive from Him. Holy Spirit, would you fall right now on every person in this place? Come fill us again. We acknowledge, Holy Spirit, that you weren't just poured out for us to speak in tongues. You were poured out to give us wisdom. You said that you would remind us of everything that Jesus has spoken. Remind us of things we need to be reminded of. That you are the spirit of truth. And we ask for truth and wisdom to come into every one of our lives. Holy Spirit, would you release a grace in every person right now. To be led by your spirit in secular things. Led by your spirit in the complicated stuff of their lives. Led by your spirit to be able to know and have wisdom from heaven that is beyond our own experience. Wisdom from heaven to change your environment. In Jesus' name. Just receive it right now. I want you to pray this with me and just say, Lord Jesus, your word says that if I lack wisdom... I just need to ask, and you will give generously. So I ask, Lord Jesus, give me your wisdom. Give me heavenly wisdom for every situation that I will face during my week. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand for that.